Hey guys, it's Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Hey, listen, if you know me, you know that 316 Creative Works exists to partner with artists, businesses, and churches. Uh, one of my good friends is a business guy. It's the Maynard family, and they run a business, and now they're in partnership with us. So that's Precision Door Service. Listen, in case of emergency, I always call Precision Door Service. They are experts in repairing, replacing all your garage doors and overhead doors. They can be reached. They got two numbers. The Indiana side is area code 219-306-8155. Again, 219-306-8155. Now, on the Illinois side, uh, Precision Door Service can be uh, contacted at area code 708-474-6657. And number again is 708-474-6657. You can always get them at precisiongarage-door.com. That's precisiongarage-door.com. Of course, we'll probably have Justin throw a contact card up there for you so you guys can see it if you're watching this. Again, this is Clayton from 316 Creative Works introducing you to another member of the family, the business of precision door service. Thanks, guys. Thanks for checking us out. Thanks. Hey everyone, thanks for checking out 316 Podcast. I am Clayton from 316 Creative Works. Uh, as most of you know, we're recording live from the Farmhouse Studios with a special thanks to Larry and Sandy for making all this possible. Uh, a couple other thanks is some uh, production crew. Uh, we have to thank uh, my creative producer, Esther. We have to thank the house manager, Danielle. And with us, as always, is um, our sound producer and sound engineer. His name is Justin. Guys, uh, big thanks to to those guys always, always. Hey, listen, I am I am super excited, uh, so excited that I couldn't sleep last night. It's like going to Disney World for me. But I want to introduce uh, a very good friend of mine. Now, here, here's a man that I have known for a handful of years, who has inspired me. Um, but more than just me, Juan Ortiz has inspired countless people. So before we go too far into all that, I just want to welcome Juan Ortiz of the Farmhouse. Brother, thanks for coming. I so appreciate you so much, man. Oh, no. I'm so excited to be here. I love this place. Yeah. This up? place is incredible. Yeah. Um, I know over the years we've talked a little bit about your dream to build this studio. And I've heard you talk about, you know, tearing this down and yeah. building this. And, yeah. and to be here and actually see it, and especially your theater in there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that is a really, really cool place, but I love this facility, so it's fun to be here. Yeah, everything worked out, man, from, from top to bottom. You know, out of out of a, a season of sadness, right, mm. uh, God has has turned it into something something quite quite remarkable, so we're really glad to be here. Now, Juan, we're just, you know what, man, we're just two buddies. Right. We're just going to sit back, and uh, we're going we're gonna to talk for a while. We're going to be honest and real like we always are. We're going to kind of just... Let the conversation go wherever that conversation will go. Um, so <clears throat> I'm going to start with today, first of all. Okay. Just real quick. Uh, just so everybody knows, you're married? Right. 36 years. 
36 years yep. to the same person? To the actual same person. Right? <laughs> now, we've been happily married about seven yeah, years, right. but that's still, last, 36 the, years, the, it's been... The, the last seven's been pretty great, right? <laughs> no, no, it was in the middle somewhere. No, <laughs> we, yeah, 36 years, and we actually... We met in college, and uh-huh. we dated four years, all four years. So you, what, you were like a freshman in college when you met? Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> I mean, actually, I saw her two weeks before school started for freshman orientation, and I was just in love with her, but she didn't notice me for a while. <laughs> so it was your senior year that she finally agreed to date you? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it was our freshman year, but she just didn't notice me for a while, you oh, know. Okay. So, But, uh, yeah, you know, I saw her. I was in love, and I was like, I just never thought I'd marry. That was the thing. You know, uh, the upbringing that I had uh, was just rough. And I always thought, you know, I'm going to end up living with my mom the rest of my life because my mom needed me. Which isn't entirely untrue. No. But we can get get into that. Yeah, I mean, the more you hear my story, but (laughs) I just really had made a decision. I got to go to college and thankful to my youth pastor because he's the one that really saw that potential in me. And I, I knew I needed to go to college, get an education, and I made a commitment to my mom. I'll come home. I'll work, and I'll take care of you the rest of your life. Because my mom suffered a lot. So marriage was out of the question. I had no idea how to, you know, date someone. I had only really dated one or two girls, and and not for long. So when I saw Becky, I was like, dear God, that's, that's it. if I could be married, yeah. this is the woman I'd like to have. So, so um, God had a, a dream for you that you didn't even have for yourself. No, but as soon as I st- stepped on campus, I was like, that's the dream right there. <laughs> she was stunning and uh, beautiful, and she still is today. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, no, I, you know, I, I, guys say this a lot uh, to kind of screw with each other and whatever, but I'm going to tell you, bro, I know you, I know your wife, and you absolutely you absolutely hit out of your park. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, 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 you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're a handsome fella, but <clears throat> come on. Well, thanks, that's generous, but... <laughs> I will tell you, it, it's weird. When we first started dating, like my wife was 18. We were both 18. But she looked like a 29-year-old runway model. Yeah, and I she mean, looked she, like that for the last 40 years, right? Yeah, I mean, she's stunning as an 18-year-old. Yeah. And at 18, I look 12. <laughs> so, you know, there's this gorgeous blonde walking this little boy. It almost felt yeah. like she was... Right. She was like your favorite like, aunt or something. Is she serving in the community this weekend or what? <laughs> little but, bro- uh, brother, sisters. Right? Yeah, but I, I was... And, and I, you know, it's kind of weird for my self-image. I had such a low self-image at the time. I felt like a million dollars to be around a woman so beautiful, so confident. Like, everywhere I went, I didn't even care if guys were looking at her. Like, you know how some guys yeah, you, get jealous you, you, you and know, they get kinda, mad? You kind of want to show that, right? I was like, yeah, she's... <laughs> now, I don't know if you agree... Uh, what, what, what I commonly say about my wife is I think that you would probably say about your wife. Because I, I kind of had a... The story's different, but still had a kind of dysfunctional childhood, and I I way out hit my league. Um, but I will tell people that my wife is the hottest blonde I've ever met, yeah. <laughs> but that's the least attractive thing about her. Yeah. So now right. I know you way, way better than I know your wife. But yeah. just having a couple of dinners and being at your house a couple of times, she, she seems very similar. Like, she's beautiful. She's attractive. But... Man, when you really get to talk to her, you really realize how smart she is, mm-hmm. how how good of a communicator she is. She's just really, it, that's the least attractive thing about her is her physical appearance. Yeah, I mean, she was babelicious, as I like to call her, yeah. from Wayne's World. But um, I, I loved her look. It, it just meant a lot to me. But 
She is such an amazing woman. She's so confident. That was the thing that I loved about her. Like she didn't question her. She didn't question life. She, she knew where she was going. And more importantly, she loved God. Like her confidence in who she was and where she was going and the fact that she knew God was real and was following him. I was like, man, I just want to be around her. And yeah, you're right. She's uh She's much more beautiful as a person than she is physically. So. But you guys had a very uh, different upbringing, a very different childhood. Oh, my gosh. I mean, Night she, and day. I mean, she came from, you hate to say it, but let's, let's just put it out there. She kind of came from normal people, right? <laughs> yeah. I, mean, just, I guess if there's a thing called right? normal. But good, she actually solid. came from the East Coast and was out there, grew up in a conservative Baptist uh, church. Her mom played the organ and still does, which is crazy. Yeah. Her mom's like 89 years old. Uh, her father was a professor of engineering and uh, there at the University of Mass. And it was incredible because here she had this incredible family, the youngest of three, great athletes, great students, musicians. It was the perfect family. Meanwhile, my dad is a drug dealer, a criminal, and we grew up in abuse and running for our lives and immigrants from Mexico and I couldn't even speak English till I was 10. So <laughs> right. what was the first what was the first word you remember saying like <laughs> can you say it on a on a podcast? <laughs> I, I think it was hamburger. Well, I, you know, you know, I don't remember to be honest. With you. I just I just remember this is true. I I, I thought in Spanish. Yeah. That's what that was my thought life because I spoke it. And I remember the first time I started thinking of words in English, and it was bizarre. It was like, wow, that word I just thought about was English. Now, by the way, I couldn't say it. I couldn't actually say the word, right. but I thought it because I had heard it so much. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I couldn't speak till I was 10. So by the time I got to college, I mean, my life was a mess. I was a mess. And here's this really stable, solid Christian woman and, and literally, she was so beautiful. She could have literally had any. Well, actually, uh, I think a couple weeks into college, she was dating a senior. Football player, probably, right? Uh, captain of the team. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, right. You know, bushy blonde hair yeah. dude drives a red convertible GTO. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm driving a donkey. No. For crying out loud. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, there. I don't have a prayer with this woman. Yeah, right. But, but you know, yeah, she was just the perfect girl, and a lot of guys loved her, and it always boggles my mind that I ended up with her. I mean, it, I'm I'm really really fortunate. So. But now you said you said you said a couple things, uh, just a couple of months ago. You said, your dad. Did you say drugs? Oh yeah, he was a drug dealer, and you know he was always high. He he didn't really do a lot of the heavy drugs, um, but you know marijuana was what he sold on a regular basis. Today it's no big deal. People are like, hey, oh, it's legal. Right? It's legal. But back then, I mean, you know, he was dealing the stuff by the truckloads. Yeah. This was not a guy that was selling little bags of dope. He was moving truckloads. Yeah. And he, you know, carried a gun. Yeah. Well, he, so, look, uh, so, so, Juan, here's the deal. Uh, we're, again, we're just two two buddies talking. Him yeah. and but you do realize that we have an audience out there. Oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> so, How are you guys so, doing? Like, if there's anything that... That's uncomfortable for you. Something you don't want oh, to yeah, just, no. just you know. You can just cut me off right there. But, well, no. But I mean, I yeah. put it in a book. I mean, let's let's get into it, right? I mean, you you've written a couple of books. Yeah. And your your first book, uh, man, I was I was so honored to to read it because I, I had known you for a little bit before you wrote the book, and so so I I had known some of your story. 
just because as we're out for for whatever, you, you kind of pick up parts of the story. But what this book really kind of colored in or filled in the blanks for me. So your first book is called uh, Never Forsaken. Right by Juan Ortiz. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read your your bio on the back of this book. Now, yeah, now, go ahead. Now check this out. Right. So so here's what here's what you, your publicist, okay, said about you. All right. Juan Ortiz grew up in a home of abuse and poverty. Today he is a husband, father, leader, and successful businessman, dedicated to teaching others how to succeed. He's a speaker and an author. He's a CEO and president of Juan Ortiz Inspires Incorporated. He and his wife live in the greater Chicagoland area. Juan speaks frequently on overcoming challenges, leadership, and more. Yeah. Yeah, that's me. Come on, dude. I know. It's a miracle. I mean, I know. I don't know how it happened. We don't really, you know, we don't really live in a, in a, I read that book age anymore, right? Right. But we still write books. Right. Because a ton of people still read books. Yeah. But for the most part, people aren't picking up books and reading them anymore. Well, let me, let me tell you what happened with the book. Um, I actually got started speaking in college because I heard a great speaker and I talk about it in my second book that just came out, but I heard a great speaker in college, and I go, man, I would love to speak if that was an opportunity I had. And in a small way, it started. Uh, my high school coach brought me in to speak to his team, and gradually I got a speaking engagement, and it just started growing. But then I, I got a full-blown speaking career, and every time I told my story, people would line up to meet me, and they would go, I sure wish this yeah. was in print. Yeah, that's the thing. Because you know what? There were a lot of people that were abused, like yeah. me. There were a lot of people that could relate to the hurt. And they're like, I wish I had a copy of your story that I could give to my dad right. or right. my brother or my cousin. And for years, I'm like, well, I wish I had a book too, but I don't know how to write. <laughs> right. And so I can barely speak English, let alone write. Right. And uh, so for many years, I put it off until about five or six years ago. I hired a guy to ghostwrite it with right. me, Judson what, Pauling. Yeah, what's actually let's 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 just uncover that relationship real quick. So so a ghostwriter is just a guy who knows how to write. Correct. So it's not his story. Right. It's your life, your story, mm. your truth, and you and Judson would sit down and you would just unpack stories for him. Right. And he would write him and he'd give you chapter one and you'd say, no, that doesn't seem right. This this is often you kind of switch the facts around and make things yeah. accurate again. And he, he and I know Justin a, a little bit. I actually know him from his uh, his Willow Creek days where he was a, you yeah. know, he actually started Willow Creek. Yeah. And he was the drama guy and me being an actor in Chicagoland. He, um, my, me and my church kind of patterned our creative efforts out of what Judson Poland was doing. At Willow, because a lot of, yeah. a lot of churches did. Yeah. So that's how I got to know Judson and then meeting him through you and then through uh, another organization called The Crucible. It's been really great to, to get to know him a little bit, but he is just that guy, isn't he? He's just, you know, and he's to be a honest, storyteller. I went to a life coach, uh, Dan, out of Michigan, and and he said, hey, when you're ready to write your book, here's a guy you should call. He has tons of experience. But when I called Judson... He was swamped. Yeah. And he, and he was very kind to me. He goes, Juan, I'd, I'd love to right. hear your story. I just can't. But then he called me a few days later. He goes, you know what? Let's just have lunch. I'd, I'm curious. Yeah. And that was the end. And, and the, Judson have been, and I have been good, great friends ever since. Now, listen, so, so, so actually, actually getting to the point of writing the book, of sitting down with somebody to, to tell a story 
that you know is going to go out in front of mass media. A lot of people, that yeah. anybody can read this. How was that experience for you? Scary, to yeah. be honest with you. I, you know, when I was abused as a kid, my biggest goal was to be normal. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. why I left oh, earlier when you said Becky's normal. I'm like, what is normal? But I wanted to be normal. I just wanted to live my life. And to be honest with you, the older I got, like in my 20s, I didn't want anyone to know about my past. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly. I'm, I'm trying to hide it. Your whole life has been running from Right. I don't want people to know my dad was a drug dealer and he was in prison for 18 years. Prison? Yeah, he spent... Now, only if you read the book do you know that, but that's the first time you mentioned that. Yeah, he, he spent 18 years in prison. Wow. and And so I didn't want people to know. So when I spoke, it was all just kind of fun, funny storytelling, but I wouldn't really bring up a lot of my story. It wasn't until a few people in the audience said... There seems to be a lot more behind your story than you're telling. And I was really nervous about it. And then gradually people encouraged me to tell more and more. And really, that's when my speaking took off, when I actually shared the personal. Because don't you think that's the way to, I mean, you've you've got a lot of great things to say about how to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But those are all helpful things to us as an audience. But we don't really care until until you have given us credibility through your story. Which is why the testimonials is so important. Well, let me let me say this. This is and, and by the way, when I started speaking to abused counselors, those advocates that work with abused people, um, I took a class forty hours of domestic violence. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life. Forty hours of it, and what was painful for me, literally in tears, and it it even wells me up a little bit as I'm talking about. I thought I was the only one being abused. Yeah, right, right, right. I had no idea how many people had grown up in abuse, whether it was emotional, mental, right. physical. Sexual, physical. Sexual. Right. And some in all cases. Yeah, yeah. And once I realized that my story could actually help people, then I was willing to deal with my past yeah. And learn how to tell the because, story because God really wrote the story, right? I mean, so so you know, you're 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 in the farmhouse studios on one of our flagship podcasts. This, this is this podcast is called Talking with. Yeah. Today we are talking with Juan Ortiz. Right. And and here's the here's the thesis behind this podcast is that I I feel that God is still writing His Bible through the stories of the lives of people. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now we're not okay. reading them in the Bible anymore, but but as you know me. Uh, my life's mission is to creatively communicate the gospel or the stories of God. Right? Yeah. And so God is still writing stories. And you have an amazing story. It is a biblical story that's just not found in the Bible. So- I, you know, I've always, uh, I just have to uh, insert something. It's probably my favorite thing about you and I being friends. I love talking to you on a regular basis because I learned so much from you, Clay. Yeah. I mean... I don't know who's watching this or hearing this, but if people haven't gotten to know you or have listened to you teach, they're missing out. I really feel God's giving you wisdom and it's giving you clarity on what God's all about in the Bible. And every time, like the little nugget you just gave us. So out there, if you were listening or you're watching this and you missed that, that is so encouraging to know that. God is still writing yeah. through stories like mine. Yeah. And your I story, mean, it gives your me encouragement. Yeah. 
Thank you. It's very, very generous to say. Thank you, Juan. Yeah. And 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 God is still writing those stories. So there's hundreds, there's thousands, there's millions, right? right. And so so take us through. I mean, we've only got a couple minutes left in episode one here, but take us through. You're born in Mexico. Uh, no, no. So my parents, my parents are born in Mexico and immigrated at the age of 16 and 17. Okay. It's all in the book. Yeah, right, right, right. And my dad came from a wealthy side of Mexico, so he had a lot of money. He was legal in the United States and spoke four languages. My mom came from your typical poverty in Mexico, but she was, again, stunning. And my dad basically married her at a very young age and said, look, when you marry me, we're legal in the United States, and yeah. let's go make our life there. He loved it here. Yeah. And so they came to San Antonio at 16 and 17. And a year later, when my mom turned 17, I was born. No kidding. I'm the oldest of six. You're the oldest of six. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So And so eventually, you, you guys did move back to Mexico. I mean, you, you were kind of partially oh, raised in Mexico, right? So I was born in San Antonio, even though my parents moved here. Yeah. But a lot of Mexicans do this when they come over the border legally. <laughs> they go back and forth all the time. Because you go back to see family. Yeah. You go do this. And yeah, um, but actually in my story, my dad was so messed up as a young man. But he sounded, I mean, just what you said about him, he sounded okay. So when oh, did he no. start getting messed up? Early on, even before he was married, okay. he was so smart. He was a straight-A student, spoke four languages, was a great athlete, and great-looking guy, but he was arrogant. He had so much pride. He just thought he was the best thing in the world, yeah. and that never left him his entire life. It actually ruined his life. But there was a point there where uh, my grandparents back in Monterey, Mexico, actually took me back. And I was about not quite one years old. And so I lived with my grandparents and my two aunts. Mm. And I lived with them, believe it or not, for three or four years. And to this day, it's been the saving grace in me. Because, you know, they talk about when kids are most influenced between one and five years old. Yeah. So fortunately... My first three or four years of life was with these incredibly yeah. sound, good people of faith and hardworking. And and they loved me because I was the first grandson. Yeah. And so, you know, it's a, been a blessing. It's been the foundation of my life. So God really showed up in those early years for you. Yeah. All right. So your mom, your dad. Now, is your dad a drug addict or just a drug runner? Um, Both. Yeah. I mean, he, he was, was just addicted to drugs. You know, I... I, I saw so many days where my dad was, you know, high on weed and also drunk. He would drink straight whiskey and he would do it every day. And here's the crazy part. He had all kinds of jobs, but he would literally go to his work like that. I mean, we, he worked seven, eight, ten hours completely intoxicated. Yeah. Blows my mind. Now, I understand the dysfunction. You know, my, I come from uh, I come from an alcoholic family. Okay. Um, I'm an alcoholic myself. Okay. Right? Uh, next month, I celebrate 18 years. Wow. Of sobriety, That's right? incredible. So, so it's before I met you. I well, I knew I knew right. you were a recovering alcoholic, yeah. but I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah, it's been 18 years next month. So, so you said abuse, dysfunction. I, so I get the dysfunction. Um, I, I wasn't I wasn't abused. Mm -hmm. uh, there was different brokenness in my family, but it wasn't really abuse. My dad never abused me. Um, what kind of abuse were you raised in, or what kind of dysfunction were you raised in? Well, definitely physical. He okay. beat us on a regular basis. Okay. So your dad was just an angry drunk. He was angry. You know, and now obviously in my life and being able to write books, I realized that my dad wanted to be good. Yeah. 
Actually, yeah. I think all abusers yes. want to be good. Well, well, nobody wants to be bad. No. I mean, we, they, that's they do point. bad things. That's a good point. But see, here's the thing. Hurting people hurt people. That's right. Right? But my dad wasn't hurt by anyone. His father, his parents were good. Here's the deal. My dad wanted to be good, but he was so proud that he wanted to be rich, and he mm. wanted to be famous, and he wanted to be all these things. And when he couldn't accomplish those things, he spiraled the wrong way. And the harder it was and the farther away those realities you were from, the more he drank, the more he took substance. And it eventually took over his life. And that's what really devastated him because he just couldn't be the guy he wanted to. Yeah, you said, you said something interesting. He said he, he spiraled the wrong way, which, which is interesting because in your life you had kind of a very similar desire, right? I mean, you right. wanted to be better. And you spiraled. Yeah. You spiraled the right way. But I will tell you, and I write about this in my second book, I spiraled the right way because I had mentors. Yeah. A foundation. As guardrails. And, and mentors. That's excellent. Excellent. So I, I excellent. had that foundation, but then I had mentors that go, hey, 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 stay in line. My dad never did. And not that he didn't have them available. He didn't want them. Yeah, he didn't use them. Let's take a break right there. Juan, it is it is so exciting. I love you so much. I so appreciate you being here. I, I so appreciate you bringing your books. Yeah. And your, your book really helped fill in the blanks. Uh, I can see that we've got a lot more to talk about. But let's just take a break here. Uh, it was 316 Creative Works and 316 Podcast. We're going to come back with episode two of Talking with Juan Ortiz. Hey, this is Clayton from 316 Creative Works talking about our podcast. Listen, if you like any of this stuff that you saw or you heard, I'm going to give you a couple places where you might find it besides coming in live to the Farmhouse Studios. There's a couple platforms you can find these on. Um, <clears throat> so you can check out Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So for the cheap seats in the back there, let me say this one more time. You can go to Facebook, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iTunes, and SoundCloud. You can find it under 316 Podcasts.